God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. We uh, we have a couple of longer clips today we're going to be playing. And also, we're going to get into uh, the election last night a little bit in West Virginia. You had Mooney beating McKinley. And that was a Trump endorsement. And you say, well, it's 56-0. But then in Nebraska, uh, a Trump endorsed candidate lost by just a razor-thin margin to uh, another Nebraska congressman, Porter and Herbster, something like that. Um, But out in Nebraska, um, Trump's candidate was the first one that he lost this this season, this primary season, but it's still looking great. I think it's like 50, he's more than 56 and one, but but he's beyond that. He was 55 and over there for a while. So Trump's endorsed candidates are really great. I was listening to Elon Musk talk about um, ab- about the move to you know bring back Donald Trump onto Twitter. And uh, when I heard Elon Musk speak about this, I thought that's interesting. That's it's a very interesting way that he put it. Now I'm gonna preface it a little bit and then I'm going to let you hear it then I'm going to talk about it a little bit there's definitely some threaded uh, messaging going on inside what Elon Musk is actually saying and then in the longer clip you're going to find that Elon Musk is not necessarily somebody that you could trust Um, he is a globalist he is a new world order guy he is a climate guy I think he is a liberal, um, and liberals can never be trusted. Um, But I definitely think he's a smart man. He's a very calculating man, and everything he does is, you know, calculated. And, you know, there is some talk that this Twitter deal might not even happen still. It hasn't, it's not a done deal. And apparently the stock is down in the 40s, 
and somehow um, it was supposed to, it was expected to go higher. But everything, Tesla's stock is down, Twitter's stock is flat, and I think in some part it's it's because Trump negotiates like a boss, and his Truth Social, he didn't just come back and say, "Yeah, I would love to get back on Twitter." He didn't do that. And I thought that was really smart. I said this about a couple of weeks ago when this was going down. And I said, if Trump comes back, he's going to have to come back like the chairman of the board. He's going to come back. He's going to have to come back like the boss. The optics don't work if Trump comes back and kisses Elon Musk's ring. That's not good optics for someone like Donald Trump. That's bad optics. That makes him look mortal. You know, that makes him look normal, right? And Trump is bigger than life. Trump is a bigger-than-life character. We're going to look back in history at someone like Donald Trump, and we're going to realize what we actually had uh, here. But he's a special character. And, you know, like Elon Musk has Asperger's, I actually believe that Donald Trump has, he's, he's on the spectrum uh, with a little bit of that. I think it's mano a mano. I think they're both super smart people. And so this clip, what you're going to hear is interesting because, and I'm only saying it ahead of time to cue you in a little bit. So he's, he's basically saying he thinks it's a, it's a mistake it was a huge mistake. He called it stupid. And so that he doesn't think it's morally right. He doesn't think it's morally right, and he thinks it's stupid. In essence, I think Elon Musk is basically saying Twitter is not the valuable diamond that I thought I was buying. It's not as valuable without Trump. It's not as valuable because it's still going to have that liberal stigma. And so when Trump, when, when they banned Trump uh, for life and Trump was off of Twitter, uh, Musk outlines in this piece that he knew that uh, this was going to divide America. This was going to make Twitter out to look petty. This was going to look make Twitter out to look like a bunch of liberal juveniles. And he thought it was a stupid idea. So now here you have Elon Musk not only saying that it's morally wrong, but he's also saying it was plain stupid. He's also saying, I would have never done it. And that there's a new sheriff in town, there's a new owner of the company, new CEO, and that somehow... Um, I realized the error of our ways. This, in essence, was an apology. And it was also almost akin to Elon Musk kissing Donald Trump's ring. Because the fact is, is that Twitter did Trump wrong. And they did it for petty reasons. And Elon Musk is now basically saying, without, without apologizing... He's making an apology by saying it was morally wrong. So if you apologize to somebody and you say, 
I was morally wrong and I was stupid. The only thing missing there is forgive me. The only thing missing there is I'm sorry. But Donald Trump is on Truth Social, his platform, and if you were Devin Nunes over at, at Truth Social, you would be looking at this whole thing and saying, boss, why are you going to our competitor and bringing everybody over there again? Right? So that wouldn't work either. So it's a very interesting dynamic. And now I think Elon Musk, which this deal isn't really final, is it? It's not a final deal. So now you got Elon Musk basically, I think, wondering, well, Twitter is half as valuable without Trump as it could be. Twitter is twice as valuable with Trump. Because so long as we don't have Trump, we don't have half the country. At least half the country. Because Trump's not on here for one reason. Because of censorship. Because of anti-patriotic, anti-American, anti-constitution censorship. A violation of the most basic concept, free speech. And that's one thing that you can say that Elon Musk has maintained. Without freedom of speech, you have nothing. You know, and speech must prevail. So let's take a listen to this. It's, uh, you know, you could read into this a whole bunch of ways, but the way I read into this is this is a salvo to basically open up a dialogue with Trump. And Trump isn't taking the deal. It's very interesting. All right, so let's take a listen to this. Are you planning to let Donald Trump back on? Well, I, I think there's, there's a general question of should Twitter have permanent bans? Um, and, you know, I've, I've talked with Jack Dorsey about this and uh, he and I are of the same mind, which is that uh, permanent bans should be uh, extremely rare and really reserved for uh, people where they're trying to, uh, for, for accounts that are uh, bots or uh, spam scam accounts, uh, where there's just no legitimacy to the account at all. Um, I, I do think that uh, uh, it was not correct to ban Donald Trump. I think that was, that was a mistake um, because it, uh, it alienated a large part of the country and did not ultimately result in Donald Trump not having a voice. He is now going to be on Truth Social, um, as will uh, a large part of the sort of the, the right in the in the United States. Um, and so, I think this could end up being frankly worse than having a sing, you know a single forum where everyone can debate. Um, so, um, I, I guess the answer is that I I I, I would reverse the. Perma ban. I'll say I'm not. I don't own Twitter yet, so this is not like a thing that will definitely happen. Because what if I don't own Twitter? Um, but my opinion, and Jack Dorsey, I want to be clear, shares this opinion, uh, is that we should not have perma, perma bans. Um, now, now that doesn't mean 
that somebody gets to say whatever they want to say. If they say something that is uh, illegal or um, otherwise, you know, uh, just you know, just destructive to the world, then then that there should be perhaps a timeout, uh, a temporary suspension, or, or that particular tweet uh, should be uh, uh, made invisible or or have very limited uh, traction. Um, but I think perma bans just fundamentally undermine trust in Twitter as uh, a, a town square uh, where um, everyone can uh, voice their opinion. It was a fun, I, th I think it was a morally bad decision, to be clear, and, and foolish in the extreme. Even, even after he egged on the crowd who went to the U.S. Capitol some of them carrying nooses, you still think it was a mistake to remove him? I think the, if, if there are tweets that are wrong, they should, and bad, those should be uh, uh, either deleted or made invisible. Um, and a suspension, uh, a temporary suspension is appropriate, um, but not a permanent ban. So if the deal completes, he might potentially come back on, but with the understanding that if he does something similar again, he'll be back in the sin bin. Uh, he has publicly stated that he will not be coming back to Twitter um, and that he will only be on Truth Social. And this is the, the point that I'm trying to make, which is perhaps not getting across, is that, there, is that banning Trump from Twitter didn't end Trump's voice. It will amplify it among the right. And this is why it is morally wrong and flat out stupid. Basically, that was Elon Musk calling the, the questioner a moron. That questioner, I mean, going to a protest carrying a noose, so what? I don't even believe that it happened. I have so many friends that were there. On the morning of January 6th, we had um, a friend of ours that, that uh, came down from another uh, city and was staying at our, our place and also uh, that morning uh, was in the studio with us doing a show. And she said that what happened uh you know on january 6th was completely unexpected and that the people that were causing the ruckus and they were doing the uh bad things weren't weren't recognized by her or weren't part of the group that she was with it's a large large number of people this was this was an infiltration this was not an insurrection they didn't find one weapon. This this twit that was asking Elon Musk, uh, throwing out the word noose, as if it means something. They do. They put nooses uh, every every year at Halloween. Someone's walking around with a noose. You know, a costume to let you know we're going to hang you, whatever. But it's not a it's not illegal to carry a noose. Kathy Griffin carried the president's head covered in blood after we've just experienced 
all of those beheadings from ISIS. Think about it. And then also, when he asked the question, would you, uh, if he did it again, like he won't do it again, you'll put him in a box, you'll treat him like a puppy. And he's like, number one, no, that's stupid. I don't think you're getting, I, I don't think my message is getting across. I just said I would never permanently ban anybody ever again. He also said that the deal's not done. He may not get Twitter. And the way the stock's going, and if Trump doesn't come back, I don't think it's a, it's, it's a, uh, it's looking great for Elon Musk. I mean, in terms of it's Elon Musk is looking great, but I mean, I don't think Twitter is looking great in Elon Musk's eyes because I don't think he realized what morons are on sitting on a board at this co- company. Not just morons, but radical terrorists like like uh, Al-Walid bin Talal. A Khashoggi uh, boss and um, <clears throat> and an ISIS supporter, uh, Bin Talal, and a Bill Gates business partner, Bin Talal, and the guy who was aligned with Barack Obama, photographed with Barack Obama when they were in college, helped finance Barack Obama's Harvard education. Bin Talal is a monster, a radical socialist, as is Bill Gates, A all of those things. You better believe, you know, um, Bill Gates, for example, his father was on the board or president of the board of Planned Parenthood. You know, Margaret Sanger, eugenics, right? That's the foundation of Planned Parenthood. But... Bill Gates also contributed heavily to Planned Parenthood. Now, what is that? That that's eugenics, that's controlling population. And what is Bill Gates doing with his vaccines, right? He's doing the same thing. He's profiting while actually curbing the population, controlling the population. It's always the case that the population the globalists want less population. They just want less, less people for whatever reason. Maybe it's climate. Maybe it's uh, resources. Maybe it's all these people eating up all this food, you know, like the uh, the Craigie uh, plan, um, where they were talking about that, these, these, these senseless food eaters is what they were talking about. This globalist new world order is all about controlling what you eat, how much you consume. I mean, we have rationing on baby food. Apparently, Biden didn't think through the war, did he? He didn't think through. When he had an opportunity to meet with Putin or anybody over there and put a stop to the start of this war, and I've always said the writing was on the wall, Tulsi Gabbard has also said this, that this war in Ukraine could have easily been avoided. Easily. There were just a couple of little bullet points you had to get through. These diplomats didn't want 
to not have war. They wanted war. The military-industrial complex wanted war. They wanted this. Believe me, they're getting everything they want. Nothing is happening by mistake. Except the middle class is getting crushed. Well, that's not even a mistake either. They're doing this on purpose, folks. Mayorkas sits up there saying the border is secure. He's lying to you. He says he's doing his best. It's a, it's a, it's a low losing battle right now because we're understaffed. Every single thing they say is a lie. Well, build the wall. Let's just build the wall. Everybody agrees the wall would help. Let's build that. Start there. And they won't. They won't do it. They won't. They want the smoke and mirror razzle-dazzle. They want to they get shell game. Well, the, the smart, smart wall. Smart power, they called it. Smart power. So we're going to have drones flying all over the place and we're going to have sensors and and satellites and sensors and wall, uh, not walls, no, no, no walls. We're going to have drones and satellites and sensors. We're going to have high tech science. We're going to have that. We're going to have it all. It's all going to be so good. And then it doesn't, doesn't work. Well, the you know, we're doing our best, but these things can only be, It only works so well. Put up a wall. A big, beautiful wall. Put up that big, beautiful wall. And guess what? Nothing penetrates a cinder block. You know? I mean, nothing penetrates these steel walls. I mean, it's just so much sense, right? It's so commonsensical. But they want to do the smoke and mirrors. And they want to spend... Four times the amount of money on the wall, on border security, than they otherwise would have been if they put up a wall. Boom. The wall's paid for $6 billion. Done. No more money is needed for the border security. Work out a deal with Mexico, some incentives with the triangle countries. But somehow, Kamala couldn't figure it out. All of our top minds in the country, right? Kamala. Uh, quid pro Joe all these people can't forge a relationship to save their life they can't make things happen Trump just walks in and says hey look you know that money I'm giving you I'm not going to give it to you anymore unless you actually stop the flood of traffic coming to our border do it and I'll give you the money just do it okay and call me when it's done right I mean that's exactly all it is it's that simple and Trump just made it light. It was light work because what they're actually creating, they're creating problems. These problems are done on purpose. These are not problems that are unsolvable. These are solved problems that are being manipulated to be a problem. That's what's happening. It's so frustrating to see it and to see these, whoever these morons are that are voting for these people and believing you know, I mean, anybody that goes to a Maxine Waters rally and believes anything she says after San Francisco and whatever area she lives in has just become a complete and total dump. And you got $40 billion going over to Ukraine now. Another $40 billion. Think about our veterans that are disabled or homeless. 
Think about all the different things that we could actually benefit from. Baby food. Sure would buy a lot of baby food, wouldn't it? $40 billion. Instead, Zelensky is getting all that money. It's absolutely absurd. It's a joke. And everybody knows, everybody with half a brain knows it. I love this tweet. The Bradford file says, so basically Biden is laundering billions through a country that paid his crack smoking son millions. Yep, that's probably it. That's it. For sure. And then we got this children's, uh, uh, well, it's, it's the Children's Health Defense. They wrote an article about the World Health Organization, the WHO, Pandemic Treaty. What is it, why it matters, and how to stop it? All right, so uh, that, uh, Sick for Truth wrote this. He says, The World Health Organization is drafting a global pandemic treaty on pandemic preparedness that would grant the agency absolute and unprecedented power over global biosecurity. The last days to comment on the draft are June 16th and June 17th. And so the uh, it has a couple of uh, bullet points. This is the story in a glance at a glance. It says the WHO has started drafting a global pandemic treaty on pandemic preparedness that would grant it absolute power over global biosecurity. Just what I just read. Uh, such as the power to implement digital identities, vaccine passports, mandate, mandatory vaccinations, travel restrictions, standardized medical care, and more. The WHO is not qualified to make global health decisions. As just one example, the WHO didn't publicly admit SARS-CoV-2 was airborne until the end of December 2021. Yet scientists knew the virus was airborne with, within weeks of the pandemic being declared. The WHO has also ignored early advice about airborne transmission. More importantly, a one-size-fits-all approach to pandemic response simply doesn't work because pandemic threats are not identical in all parts of the world. Even people in the same region do not have this identical risk and may not need a benefit from identical treatment. So the WHO will accept two more days of public comment on the treaty, June 16th, June 17th. So prepare your statements now. The World Health Assembly will also vote on amendments to international health regulations, May 22nd to May 28th, which may also strip away more individual rights and liberties. So the globalists that brought us the wildly exaggerated COVID pandemic in an effort, effort to cement a biosecurity grid into place are now hard at work on the next phase of this new world order. The World Health Organization has started drafting a global pandemic treaty on pandemic preparedness. So that's going to give them all this control. And, you know, they're going to vote on it. And of course, you know how the vote's going to go. It's going to vote. They're going to vote power to them. And who's elected these monsters? 
Who elects these people that are controlling our lives in here in America? Who in the world is electing these monsters, these absolute monsters? These people have come from all over the world, some third world nation, uh, country in Africa. Is the head of the uh, WHO, the guy who was part of a tribal warlord, he killed people? And all of a sudden, he's going to be the person that we somehow have to listen to? This guy would never be elected dog catcher in our country. And yet, we're being impacted by his brain, his thinking, his ridiculous ideas. And that must stop. So, we're going to, I want to talk just a little bit about some of these um, tweets. Um, I wanted to get to those, and then I have two longer clips. We got, um, because we got Elon Musk front and center. And Elon Musk is not only a green initiative guy, he's a globalist, a New World Order guy. And already I could see the tea leaves of him pulling out, which then implies to me that this Twitter thing was a ruse to slow down investors. Like I said before, I said this weeks ago, if you recall, I said this very well could be a ruse. And Elon Musk might be pulling out now. If if Trump's not going to get on board, Elon Musk could pull out. And if that's the case, this was this was more than likely a ruse. And what what how did how was this a ruse? How did this impact us? Well, it impacted us because it slowed down the investors. The investors that were poised to invest in Parler and and Getter and Truth Social and Gab, all these competitors to Twitter, competitors to influenced voices, influencers on social media. Um, it slowed down their platform from growth. And it's that growth that's going to impede market share on Twitter. If they, if they are successful... If Truth Social and Getter and Parler and Gab are wildly successful, then Twitter is going to be the smallest of them all. Twitter will be nothing. Twitter will be nothing. And they will have then lost control. So Elon Musk maintains their control. And with him toying around with these investments and injection of cash, it is slows down the investors who are unwilling to take the risks over at these other newer platforms. Because if you're an investor and you're like, oh, okay, we, we're, we're on par to beat the crap out of Twitter in the markets. Great. Oh, wait, Elon Musk is investing. Oh, wait, Elon Musk is going to bring Trump back. Oh, wait, if Trump goes back to Twitter, Twitter is whole again. Oh, no, that's not going to work. I'm going to think this through before I give you my billions of dollars. I'm going to give it a second thought. And that slows down the investment, that slows down the growth in what? What is this? What are we doing there? It's an election year. Yeah, where every month matters. Every single month matters. 
And that is in part and parcel what this could have been all about. And I said it weeks ago. I said, this could be a ruse. I tweeted it out weeks ago. And it's looking more and more like this is possibly the case. So I don't know. Still remains to be seen. We don't know what Elon Musk is up to. But rest assured that he and the CEO of Disney left the Trump business uh, panel over, uh, over over Trump getting out of the Paris Accord. When Trump left the Paris Accord or the Paris Agreement, when Trump left the Paris Agreement, both Disney and Elon Musk left Trump high and dry. They were the first defectors to that business panel. All Trump wanted to do is bring in the most powerful, influential business owners and leaders in America to try to help commerce in America. It was a great idea. And people that bailed on Trump the quickest were Elon Musk and uh, I don't know if the guy's name's Eisner. Well, it's not the CEO of Disney now. It's the, it was the CI, CEO of Disney back in 2017. But in any case, that, that happened. I don't think Elon Musk and Trump are you know that friendly. So the Bradford file writes, if the protesters were Trump supporters, they would already be in federal custody. Equal justice is dead in America. Of course it is. You got the 2000 Mules movie. I just saw that yesterday for the first time uh, in its entirety. Wow. Blew me away. We got to get, we got to do a lot better. I recommend... Uh, you know, there's a link over on BitChute. Uh, Terry sent me a link. I also got a link from a friend of mine. And uh, I I got to see the uh, 2,000 Mules for free on BitChute. So uh, Elon Musk says, if I die under, oh, no, this is an old tweet, is that if I die under mysterious circumstances, it's been nice knowing you. And the guy from YouTube um said, if you die, can I get Twitter? And he said, yep. <laughs> so, uh, big YouTuber with 95 million followers on YouTube. Never heard of the guy. Something Donaldson or something like that. Never heard of this guy. He's got 95 million uh, followers on YouTube. Cat Turd wrote this. The DOJ works for the Democrat Party, not the American people. The FBI works for the Democrat Party, not the American people. The CIA works for the Democrat Party, not the American people. Homeland Security works for the Democrat Party. See where we're going with that? The Bradford File writes, they won't arrest the CEO of Pfizer because they were all in on it. And Pfizer, you know, their report is revealing all kinds of major problems with their vaccines that they knew about and yet still pushed out there. They're murderers. They're murderers. And they're globalists which are one and the same thing, really. The Bradford file writes, if the mules, if mules were delivering ballots for Republicans, they would already be in prison. And Bradford file writes, I guess we now know how a guy with dementia got the worst, the most votes, in quotes, in history. 
<clears throat> the worst part about the Biden presidency is all the damage is on purpose. The Bradford file writes, the, they won't, oh, I just read that one. Okay. And um, Donald Trump, tr- Trump tracker says, breaking, last night, Catherine Engelbrecht and Greg Phillips announced they will be releasing all the addresses of the stash houses. Stacey Abrams, one of uh, many prominent names, dropped. Okay, so Stacey Abrams, we know, rigged the Georgia election. Right? I think that's true. The Bradford File writes this. He says, it is, just, is it just me, or would the baby formula shortage be a bigger story on Mother's Day if Trump was president? <laughs> is it? I'm going to read that one again. I've read that. I read that a couple of days ago, but it was uh, great. Um, I never did get to the, read some of these tweets, and they're just great tweets. Um, the Bradford File writes, "Is it just me, or would the baby formula shortage be a bigger story on Mother's Day if Trump was president?" Of course it would. Of course it would. Look at the story. Look at how they drummed up COVID. They exaggerated COVID. Trust me. When uh, people are starting to get the results of the 2021 total death rate, and there's hardly a blip, meaning that there isn't a huge spike of death in 2021. And of course, I mean, it's just, it's, it's absolutely strange. 2020 and 2021 were sort of like average, maybe a little above average, but, you know, in part because. When people were locked down, they weren't going out and getting in life-threatening accidents. So, you know, Tim Swain wrote, breaking Alabama's law banning puberty hormone blockers, genital mutilization, and all gender reassignment surgeries has officially gone into effect. Ten years in prison for violators. Huge win. Cat Turd wrote, wrote this on Monday. He says, it's Monday. Has Joe Biden sent another gazillion dollars to Ukraine yet? No more tax dollars to Ukraine. We're broke. Of course we're broke. And Cambry writes this. I kid you not. The definition of insanity is voting for anything that's been in Washington for 40 plus years. And believing they're going to fix things now is insanity. Term limits. Now, and then there's this uh, thing about Steve Schmidt. And this Steve Schmidt says, you and I have unfinished business. Uh, he's saying this to Sarah Palin. Palin. Sarah Palin. And, you know, the, the, the sad news about that is that Steve Schmidt was an MSNBC um, person as well. And guess who he served with? Guess who was working in the McCain campaign? Steve Schmidt, who hates Republicans, hates Trump. And guess who else? Nicole Wallace. Nicole Wallace, who's on MSNBC, who hates Trump more than any Democrat I've ever met. And they were supposed to be Republicans. They were the biggest haters of America. I think worse than anybody. And they were the two leaders running the John McCain campaign against Barack Hussein. Think about that. And then think about what Sarah Palin had to deal with. 
when she was selected out of thin air. So, you know, just let that sink in a little bit. That's where our Republican Party was. Bill Crystal, Steve Schmidt, Nicole Wallace, they were all leaders within the Republican Party. I'd say in one sense, we've come a long way, a long way to, to righting some wrongs. Also, election wizard report. The House could vote as soon as tonight on a $40 billion package of military humanitarian Ukraine. You know, in Ukraine. They already did. They lied about everything related to the pandemic. Why would they, the election be any different? Another tweet. As at this point, even Democrats are whispering. The mules explain it. And Catturd writes, how much baby formula would that $40 billion Joe Biden is sending to Ukraine pay for, right? And we got more. All right. So Chuck Lesto writes this, breaking report, Biden DOJ threatening January 6th defendants with life in prison after walking inside U.S. Capitol and taking pictures. And then Cambry writes, what is ultra mega? Because, you know, of course, Biden said ultra mega yesterday. Ultra mega. I'm ultra mega, I guess. If that means America first, if that means a $2 gas, uh, a gallon gas, if that means uh, secure borders, if that means uh, not giving Ukraine $40 billion, if that means not uh, causing record high inflation by Radical stimulus spending and buying voters. Yeah, yeah, I'm ultra MAGA on steroids, okay? I have no problem with being ultra MAGA. Kevin Sorbo writes this, so we can't take care of our homeless vets, but can send billions to other countries overseas. Give me a break. And also, uh, this is a new report, uh, Missouri Senate passes election integrity bill, bans drop boxes, bans ballot harvesting, and bans Zuckerbucks. Requires photo ID for voting. How do you like that? I'm telling you, their overreaching is going to cost them bigly. We got to get our elections to where it's like a paper ballot. You just put it in a thing, they count it, and you get the results at the end of the night. It's just simple. You know, again, it's the same kind of smoke and mirrors bullcrap. These so-called trust the scientists and we're the smartest people in the room and the adults are in the White House. All these people who create chaos and confusion to, you know, advance their goals. They're doing it on the border. They're doing it with elections. It's the same playbook. You know, never let a good crisis go to waste. Well, How about this? They're creating the crisis to make that so. You see what I mean? And James Wood says they're starting early this year in California. A woman finds a box of mail-in ballots on East Hollywood sidewalk. Los Angeles County Register is investigating, but it's a whole box of ballots sent out. And then... Unusual Wales, a really good finance tweet, Twitter uh, feed. 
says, I want you to read this entire report. And it basically says, top returns on congressional trades in companies that lobbied Congress in 2021. So they got all of these um, congressmen that are getting like 200% return on their investment. And they're, they're basically spelling it out that it's the lobbyists that are making this happen. So it's actually kind of an interesting deal. But um, it says here, lobbying in U.S. politics was a $2 billion industry in 2021. Lobbying companies were more likely to be invested in, in, invested in by Congress than non-lobbying com- companies. Lobbying companies outperformed non-lobbying companies both in average and in congressional portfolios. Corporations and industry associations lobbied Congress and related agencies on legislative issues using an army of professional lobbyists, many of which have previously worked inside government. And taxation, budget, and appropriations were the top issues with the most money spent on lobbying expenses by companies. And religion, D.C. statehood, Apparel, clothing, industry, and gaming casinos were issues with the least amount of lobbying expenses spent by companies. Uh, The report documents several instances of unusual associations between members of Congress, their committee assignments, their stock trades in individual companies, and lobbying by said companies into issues that may be under the jurisdiction of those committees and the conflicts of investing in the very companies lobbying to Congress. So that's just the premise over at unusualwhales.com. You may want to check that out. That's a very interesting, it it's, it's runs a little long and we can't get into all of it, but I thought that was very interesting. I posted it up on my Twitter. So if you go to at Scott Adams show on Twitter, that's where you'll find that. All right. So we have a couple of clips that we wanted to get to, and I don't know how much time we're going to have. Um, I wanted to do this report. Um, I had a really good globalist report um, that That audio is 14 minutes. We're going to probably run that another day. Um, It's a woman that I like a lot, Eva Vlardingerbrook. And she, uh, we might even get her on the show at some point um, because I really like what she has to say. And she talks all about, but it gets a little long and a little bit wonky. Um, But I also want to address, there's two issues related to Elon Musk. One, his globalist ways, and the second is his green energy. Um, I want you to hear this. uh, This is my new favorite, one of my favorite news stations out of India on YouTube. It's WION. Let's take a listen to what she has to say about uh, green energy and, and electric vehicles. Let's take a listen. An electric car runs on battery. You know that. But do you know what these batteries are made of? rare metals like lithium and cobalt. Cobalt gives the battery stability and allows it to operate safely. 
It's a bluish grey coloured metal. It is found in the Earth's crust, or what we call crustal rocks. Cobalt has several uses, like in jet turbine generators, tool materials, pigments and smartphone batteries. But its major use is in lithium-ion batteries. Half of the cobalt produced goes into electric cars. We're talking about 4 to 30 kilos of cobalt per battery. This metal is found all over the world, like in Australia, Canada, China, Cuba, South Africa, the United States, the Philippines. But 70% of the total supply comes from one country, Congo, the Democratic Republic of Congo. Let's zoom into this country. DR Congo is the second largest country in Africa. Its GDP is around $49 billion. Congo is synonymous with conflict, poverty and corruption. Beneath the country's red earth is the world's largest deposit of cobalt. 92 million people live here. Some 2 million depend on cobalt production. They are called negotiants. Cobalt mining in Congo is divided into two categories, industrial or large-scale mining and artisanal or small-scale mining. What's the difference between the two? Artisanal mines are unregulated. Labor laws do not apply here. Neither do safety protocols. These mines produce 20 to 30 percent of Congo's cobalt. Some 200,000 miners work in these mines. At least 40,000 of them are children, some as young as six. These children flirt with death daily. They enter vertical tunnels. Most of them are too narrow for adults to enter. Inside, it's like a furnace. The children dig for cobalt under inhuman conditions. Sometimes they have shovels, but mostly they dig with their bare hands. They have no masks, no gloves, no work clothes, and sometimes just 20 minutes worth of oxygen. But these young children go on for hours. After digging, they crush the rocks. They wash them and carry their finds to the market to find a buyer. How much do these children make? Sometimes as little as a dollar. Cobalt is a multi-billion dollar industry. It is estimated to be worth $13.63 billion by 2027. But this money never reaches a child who is spotting and extracting the metal. In poverty-stricken Congo, even a dollar is worth risking one's life. Many die trying to make this money. ABC recently profiled a woman who lost her son to a mine-related accident. The boy was 13 years old. He told his mother he was going to the market to buy coal for her so that she could cook. Instead, the boy went to a cobalt mine to try and earn an extra buck for the house. The mine embankment collapsed. The 13-year-old never returned home. Between 2014 and 2015, at least 80 artisanal miners died in Congo. In 2019, an accident killed 43 miners. According to one estimate, 2,000 illegal miners die in Congo every year. Many suffer permanent lung damage, skin infection and life-changing injuries. In 2019, some families from Congo filed a lawsuit. They named companies like Tesla, accused them of aiding and abetting in the death and injury of children. The lawsuit spoke about a child. He was referred to as John Doe 1. John was working as a human mule since the age of nine. He would carry bags after bags of cobalt just for $0.75 a day. One day, John fell into a tunnel. Fellow workers dragged him out of it. But they left John alone on the ground. When the child's parents found out about the accident, are from China. It dominates the global supply chain of cobalt. China owns up to 50% of the metals production. It controls around 80% of cobalt's refining. In the last 15 years, Chinese companies have bought out North American and European companies mining in Congo. 
Today, Chinese firms own 15 out of the 19 industrial mines in this country. In exchange for Congo's cobalt, China has promised the country billions in investment in the form of infrastructure, schools and roads. Now, Congo is another example of how stories featuring China never end well. Today, China is leaking blood cobalt into the supply chain of electric vehicles. Chinese companies are buying cobalt from children, encouraging them to participate in the trade of blood batteries. One of the largest cobalt processors in Congo is a company called CDM, okay. or Congo Dongfang Mining. It is a subsidiary of Zhejiang Huayu Cobalt, a Chinese company, of course. Huayu supplies cobalt to electric car makers like Volkswagen. 40% of Huayu's cobalt comes from Congo. In 2016, the Chinese company was called out by an NGO. It was branded a benefactor of child labor. Huayu... Well, you see where that's going, right? I mean, what what's going on there is people that are involved in these electric vehicles aren't aren't held accountable for the inhumanities <clears throat> that are associated with these productions. And... We have to do something about that, you know. Uh, we have to expose that because, actually, you know, fossil fuels uh, are essential, you know, for our economy right now. And I think that if you're going to do uh, this kind of clean energy, or so, it's not even clean. I mean, coal is not necessarily that clean. So it's one of those things where, um. They're not explaining. 95% of uh, battery manufacture comes from coal. Uh, there's this cobalt that they're talking about. Uh, it's blood. It's blood energy. And uh, we have to do better. These, these monsters on the globalist side are advancing this. This Chinese and Russian influence. They want America. They want America to be... Uh, energy dependent, and China wants America to start consuming more batteries because that's the business that they find most profitable. But we, uh, when the, when all of this starts to come to light, and people are starting to be inconvenienced by having to charge their car the way they have to, uh, I don't I don't see this green energy being very successful in the short term. And I think it should have to compete with fossil fuels. I do, and uh, and we shouldn't we shouldn't be closing down uh, Keystone Pipeline things like that. Well, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. Be sure to check out magapack.org. Also, uh, my Patriot Supply mps.scottadamsshow.com. Use Red State over at mypillow.com. We'll see you next time on the radio. Goodbye. Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper. I grab a shovel, dig a hole a little deeper. Just to bury my kids right up to there.